Blog Talk Radio. Um, 
Sunday we'll have a few panels, and that will culminate, you know, our weekend virtual conference. So, again, we're doing this for you. We want to make sure you all get a chance to, you know, experience um, the different panels and subject matters that we talk about when we do go to these conferences. We want to make sure that you're a part of it. And you can always tweet questions to us, the POC Beyond Chat. You can always leave questions on the YouTube channel, as well as I always open up the Q&A on Google. So you can put questions in um, that way as well. So just to kind of let you guys know, you know, you can participate in that. We're going to be bringing you a variety of people from the community, people that you probably have not seen or met, or if you have, there's only once or twice, you know, we're trying to feature a lot of new people to show that this community is larger than most people think and that we have a lot of people out here with, you know, diverse opinions. You know, again, we are not a monolith, and this is what makes it so wonderful. So, you know, uh, you know, the experience has been just, you know, transformative for me. You know, I've seen my growth over the past several years, and I've seen the growth of other people. So it's been a really great experience, a very good experience. And so we want to bring that to you. We want you guys to see that and see different people in the community. And it's going to be wonderful. I'll tell you one of the panels. One of the panels um, is titled Black Folks Do Do Atheism. And we're going to have a variety of people on that particular panel. And it's going to actually be a lot of fun. That panel should be a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about, um, you know, um, health care. You know, we're going to be talking about justice. We're going to be talking about radical humanism, you know, um, just a variety of things. So, you know, don't miss it. You know, we want you guys to participate. If anyone is out there, um, you know, if you think that you would be a good fit on a panel, inbox myself. You can inbox Raina or Sakiva or Donald Wright. Send us an email, you know, blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. Um, you know, inbox any of us and let us know, you know, if you think that, you know, you want to do this. Because, again, you know, we want everybody to be a part of this, and it should be absolutely phenomenal. So, again, this is a production of People of Color Beyond Faith. And that's our virtual conference during the Valentine's Day weekend. In addition to that, we will be having a physical conference. And this will be taking place in Los Angeles at CFI LA. This is October 11th and 12th. And we're inviting you guys to come on out. And you can meet all of us. We'll take pictures. Dr. Hutchison can sign your books for you. And it's going in um um, Donald West, for those of you that purchased this book, bring your books, and it's going to be a really good time. We have a lot of panels set up, you know, for that as well. We'll be talking about a number of things. You know, we'll be talking about LGBTQ issues. We'll be talking about atheism, um, social media, just a variety of different things. So, and again, that will, will be taking place in California. And so by that time, I should be living in California. For those that aren't aware, I am moving to Los Angeles next year. So it's going to get to a point where I probably will be missing for two Sundays, more than likely to be two Sundays because I'm going to need a Sunday to catch up. But, um, you know, so we'll either play some reruns or I'll have, you know, 
part of the crew and have the crew sit in and, you know, so that we can continue to bring you this, you know, this great, great programming. And let's see here. Oh, April 25th and 26th, People of Color Beyond Faith will be sending a couple of representatives to Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland for the Philosophical Atheism and Communities of Faith Conference. And during this conference on Friday night, we will have our own panel. I know it will consist of Dr. Hutchison, Raina Rhodes, and myself, and we're working on bringing a couple of other people in. And we're going to have a discussion, not a debate, but with members and leaders of the community of faith. So it should be very good. I know NPR and a few other, you know, press members will be there as well. So we will get the coverage. And on Saturday, Dr. Hutchinson will be giving a presentation. So it should be a weekend of fun. Come on out, hang out with us. We will be doing an event for that as well. Now, those of you, you may have caught our last two webcasts. We had one in November, and with November, we were just talking about, you know, post-racialism, the atheist community, so on and so forth. In December, and that was moderated by Dr. Hutchinson. In December, Donald Wright moderated a panel, and we talked about, you know, coming out as a non-believer and how it can be paralyzing, how it can be distressing. I mean, it just depends on, you know, your situation. And for others, it wasn't, you know, it didn't have any major consequences in regards to family and friends turning their back on them, but they may have had some losses, you know, as far as their business contacts. I mean, it's just a variety of different things. So, you know, that was a great conversation. If you all get a chance to catch both of those webcasts, you can go on our YouTube channel, POC Beyond Faith youtube.com slash POC Beyond Faith. You can find those there. In January, on January 19th, we will be having another panel. Again, this is once a month, and Anti-Intellect will be moderating that panel. That information will be out soon. We're having the flyers and the trailer made, so just bear with us. But, you know, that will be our January webcast, so we're looking forward to seeing you there. So... And there are other events that are happening throughout the year, and we'll bring that to you as we're able to release the information. So, guys, you know, like I said, it's been a wonderful year. I would like to thank all of my co-hosts here on Black Freethinkers. You know, I would like to, you know, send a special thank you to Raina, Mario, Emmalyn, Carl, Alfred, MC Brooks, you know, Vita Star, and, you know, all the people that have hosted with me in the past, you know, I thank you guys for being a part of the crew and those of you who will be working with us in the future. I'm thanking you now. And, you know, we just have some wonderful, wonderful people, you know, that have been a part of this show. We thank all of the callers, you know, Deborah, Travis, you know, Judy, my research assistant, you know, we've just had some wonderful, wonderful people. And, you know, my co-hosts, you know, on Black Free Thinkers, wonderful. You guys support these different shows and encourage them because, I mean, I know it, it can be discouraging, especially when you think you're all alone out here. And, you know, my co-hosts, 
you know, they're all wonderful people. And I just thank them, and, you know, they know how much I care about them and how much I appreciate them. But I just wanted to say it out loud and in public so that you guys would know how much I appreciate, you know, each and every last one of the people that I work with. But most importantly, I appreciate the people who support us, the people that listen to this show, the people who send us notes every once in a while just saying, keep up the good work, keep your head up, people that send us, you know, articles. Thank you. Thank you. We love you, and this is why we do this. We bring this information to you so that we can educate you and enlighten you and, you know, help you to evolve and grow as a person. We bring this to you so that we can put a smile on your face, put some laughter in your heart, because Mario and M clowned the other night. That was hilarious. For those of you that didn't get a chance to um, catch their show live, you know, go to the archives, and they were talking about television shows but giving it from a secular perspective. And it was funny. Okay, so, you know, just support, support. Um, Marcus M.C. Brooks, um, Vita Starr, Carl and Alfred, wonderful people, you know, right on RSS feed, beautiful, beautiful people, okay, and I appreciate them. And I appreciate what they do and what they bring to the table. And there's so much more to come next year is going to be absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, we want you guys to, you know, continue to support and to understand and know that, you know, we're human and we know that you all are too. We're growing just like you're growing. So we believe in you and we love you. So there's that. So I just wanted to get that off my chest, you know, the positive. You know, I wanted to start out with the airing of grievances on a positive note. I think we have Mario with us. Are you there, Mario? Yeah, I think Mario has uh, a yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just had some milk going on. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, hon. Just put us back on mute if you need to. But there is Mario, and I think this may possibly be Deborah. One one one, Deborah. One one one, the ask who's calling. Okay, we'll put them back on hold until they're ready to call in. Anyway, the dial in number is three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. Again, three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. Press one to speak with us. So this year has been really interesting. Um it's been a lot going on. Uh, you know, in particular, the past few days, you know, have been, you know, an extravaganza, if you will. This past week, between Phil Robertson and Justine Sacco, you know, Twitter and Facebook has just been a light, if you will. Um, Justine Sacco, for those that aren't aware Basically, this is a young woman who was uh, <laughs> a PR rep um, of a major corporation, you know, a director. So she was in senior management. And basically, she posted a tweet, and she said, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS, just kidding, I'm white. Well... Needless to say, it set off a shitstorm on Twitter, and by the time Twitter and other people finished complaining to the company and pointed out 
she actually lost her job, um, ruined her career to a certain extent. But the thing is, is that she's the one laughing all the way to the bank because she comes from a family of billionaires. So her dad is a billionaire, so she won't lose any sleep, and she certainly will not be missing any meals. But this all boils down to the fact that this is why when we talk about certain things, we say that your words and your actions have consequences, and they do. And the advent of the Internet and the technology Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on how you view this, you know, particular situation, it seems as though everybody has a megaphone now. I mean, I remember Mario and I had a conversation, and we were talking about how on Facebook and Twitter how any fool can have a bunch of followers, if you will. So... It's just interesting. Um, you just have to be careful what you put out there. And the thing is that she had, you know, uh, she deleted her account and her account and deleted the message that she put out there, but it was already too late. So, you know, again, showing some compassion. I wish her the absolute best, and I hate that that happened to her, but I just wish she would have used a little bit more discernment if you will, before she had posted that tweet. And from my understanding, her dad was, you know, quite apologetic about the situation. He said that he had moved the family from South Africa to America because South Africa was too racist. And so, you know, from my understanding, they said her dad was very tearful and very upset. Now, mind you, they are African, African with a K, and... You know, he was very tearful because she insulted the whole continent of Africa. And they live in South Africa, so I believe her flight went to Cape Town. And, you know, the interesting thing about that whole scenario is Google was in on the joke. They even posted (laughs) a flight simulator basically showing the flight from London to South Africa. And the hashtag was, has Justine landed yet? And so people were monitoring that whole situation. And so there were just jokes going around, and they were saying Americans hadn't basically watched, you know, for a landing like this since the Apollo 13. And it was absolutely hilarious. You know, I'm just talking about the commentary. And then when the plane landed, you had people posting or tweeting out, The eagle has landed. Repeat, the eagle has landed. I hollered all night. Now, yeah, for those of you who aren't aware, I have insomnia, and I have it really bad some days, and I have a really hard time going to sleep. And that night, I wouldn't have been able to go to sleep anyway because I was too busy laughing at all the jokes on Twitter. I mean, you all give me life some days. I just hollered at the entire situation. You know, I threw a couple of jabs in there, but it was all a lot of fun. It was all a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm hoping that this young woman who, you know, I believe is trying to have some independence in her life and get her grown woman on, if you will, I wish her the absolute very best. Um, I hope that she can move on from this. And I hope that people will show some 
compassion and allow her to move on and live her life and maintain her career or continue her career. So that's what I'm wishing in that particular um, incident. But she never should have posted that tweet, never. Um, There are people out there that are saying that it was a bad joke. Sorry, you know, age jokes, rape jokes, those don't necessarily get a pass. Um, you know, just sorry, but no, unacceptable, unacceptable. But I believe she's learned a very, very valuable lesson, and I am truly wishing her the very best. But that night on Twitter, oh, that gave me life. Oh, that was hilarious. I definitely want to send a shout-out to a firm, and that's Ava DuVernay's um, project. That's her you know, company, and on Saturday, they actually did a nine-hour Twitter-thon. It was called a Rebellathon, and so they were focusing and featuring black indie filmmakers, so, you know, the directors of Fruitvale Station, Love and Basketball, Ava DuVernay herself, they were on Twitter, and they were talking directly to us and with us, and it was wonderful. It was like a nine-hour extravaganza. And for those that, you know, were able to partake in this particular um, activity, we had a really, really good time. Um, the information is out there, and, you know, I am looking forward to volunteering with the farm once I get to Los Angeles next year. And, you know, there's more to come from all of that. And, Guys, you know, support your black filmmakers, support your Latino filmmakers, support your Asian filmmakers, filmmakers of color. And the reason why I'm focusing on filmmakers of color is because in most cases, they do not necessarily get the same type of funding, the marketing, the promotion that, you know, mainstream filmmakers get. Now, I know some people will say, well, what about Tyler Perry and, you know, you have, um, you know, a variety of other directors out there. Yeah, they're the exception, not the rule. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so you have a lot of smaller independent filmmakers and directors and producers out there and, you know, a variety of different subject matters and, you know, they're trying to produce original material. They're not trying to reproduce something that the mainstream has already put out there and they don't want to take those mainstream films and then put a black spin on it or put a black cast on it. Even though I did enjoy, you know, the black version of Fried Green Tomatoes, there are people, you know, in our community that have experienced such travesties the same as, you know, in Fried Green Tomatoes. And let's try to tell some of our stories. And, you know, a lot of the indie or independent filmmakers are out there doing that. So it's important that, you know, we support them and, you know, go see their movies and, you know, actually – for one particular movie, I'm going to try to see if we can um, get a showing in Chicago or Los Angeles, or maybe both. So we'll see how that works out. But anyway, guys, so go out there, support a firm, A-F-F-R-M. They left the I out. So you can find that on Twitter. You can find it on Facebook. Um, they have a web page. Just go on out there. And it actually was a lot of fun. So, you know, guys, um, 
it's a lot going on out here. You know, a lot of people look down on social media, but whether you all realize it or not, social media is now. Social media is the future. I mean, there are a lot of other technologies that they are waiting to release, and it's, you know, it's going to be an explosion of different technologies, different ways in which we can communicate, and it's just going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, I actually saw a few things that I actually want. Um, it's this ring. It looks like a ring, but with the ring, you know, you can turn it into a little earring. Remember those earring clips from way back? And it's actually um, a headset for your head for your um, cell phone. You can control everything from it. It's absolutely wonderful. I'm waiting for them to release that because that's what I want. Anyway, it's been a lot going on, and I posted an article yesterday, and I got some feedback on it, and it was just interesting, and it was posted on thyblackman.com, and the subject of it was, Does God Really Reward Christians? That was the title of his article, Does God Really Reward Christians? Now, this gentleman was talking about when he was younger, and how his parents, you know, would take him to church and his grandparents and, you know, was just talking about his family and how he recognized that the pastor was just up there talking about a whole bunch of nothing, you know, and he was like 14 years of age. And, you know, we've talked about this, and, you know, quite a few of us started figuring it out at 10, 11, 12, you know, 14 years of age, and we started questioning things. And so he was talking about how he used to question the pastor, and <laughs> the pastor would talk to his parents and say, where is he getting this from, you know, his grandparents, and he used to say, where is he getting this from, because, you know, the pastor knew that his grandparents were church-going people because they were going faithfully and giving, you know, faithfully, and here's this young chap asking, you know, questions. And, you know, so it was just funny because he said um, the grandfather used to joke with him and said that, you know, he was going to get the whole family kicked out of church. And it was just interesting. Um, so for the summer, he was mandated to attend Bible school. And I'm not sure if any of you guys, but I remember remember attending vacation Bible school. And I was so proud because I used to win all the little trophies for memorizing the most scriptures and giving, you know, um, you know, they would give us these oratorical assignments. So I would get up there and give my little speech, you know. So it was just interesting. But he was talking about how they assigned the assistant pastor to him for Bible school. And basically they said after a few sessions the assistant pastor disappeared and they haven't seen him since, which I think is hilarious because I remember when I was, you know, attending church and I would ask all of these questions to the Bible, you know, teachers, you know, the Bible school teachers, not only during vacation Bible school, but even during regular Sundays when they would send us to children's church and they would break us up into different groups. And I would ask all of these questions. And I used to frustrate, you know, the teachers. And it was just interesting how all of that, you know, that one little article brought back so many memories 
and, you know, good memories, very, very good memories, but they don't have any answers. So they would tell you to do things like pray on it or you just have to have faith, you know, answers that they're still giving people even now. And so anyway, this young man was talking about how he showed up. He had stopped going to church. He just stopped. And basically one of his uncles had passed away, and he showed up at the funeral. Now, by this time, he was an adult. And when the pastor was preaching, the pastor was looking directly at the young man, and basically he said, this isn't the last funeral we're going to see in this family. And everybody in the family knew that the pastor was talking about, you know, the young man. And so after the sermon, you know, the young man had a chat with the pastor, and apparently the pastor never gave him another problem after that because he said he had um, added to his vocabulary some very colorful words. So I can only imagine how that conversation went. But then at the end of the article, you know, he gave a scripture, and it's just interesting. So, you know, he probably considers himself spiritual, if you will, as opposed to religious, and he may not be a church goer, but he still believes in some semblance of religion. So the whole thing was really, really interesting. But, um, yeah, you know, it seems as though a lot of the religious people are starting to wake up. Good. It's about time. And regarding the, you know, atheist community, last Sunday we talked about coming out as a non-believer, and, you know, we basically were telling people that, you know, coming out as an atheist, you know, this is not the good ship lollipop. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not utopia. In some cases, there are consequences and repercussions for coming out and being an out and known um, atheist, humanist, non-believer, whatever you may call yourself. So, you know, we have our issues over here as well. Um, on January 12th, Dr. Anthony Penn will be on the show. Next week, December 29th, yeah, December 29th, Fannin Hutchinson will be on the show, and we'll be talking about, um, you know, his reality show TV, you know, Good Men of L.A., and they'll be talking about positive male role models and how, you know, they're trying to show that, you know, there are a lot of, Good men. There are more good men out here than people realize. You know, there's so many negative stereotypes that are in the news that, you know, we want to portray, you know, very positive light. There are a lot of men out here that are volunteering their time. There are a lot of men out here that are the caretakers of their children. There are a lot of men out here, you know, again, you know, being positive role models, not only in their family, but to others as well. And so we need other people to partake of that and to be, you know, part of the community because we need that. We need the social activism. We need people to get out here and to show, you know, the world that we are not the stereotypes that, you know, many have portrayed because in some cases there are some people of color that have bought into the stereotype. And, you know, that's unfortunate because they're, you know, that's the exception, not the rule. So, again, you know, I'm just happy that there has been, you know, an awakening 
if you will. We have, you know, religious people that are starting to wake up. And they may not let go of their faith or their religion. Some of them are calling themselves spiritual, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's a process. It definitely is a process. You know, I can relate to that because when I was younger, you know, I know how I started, you know, questioning when I was 11, 12. When I was older, I went back to church. And when I went back to church, you know, I I gave it the good old college try. I I really tried. I got serious about it, was on a minister's board, was doing tithing and offering, and just, you know, I had attributed my fallout from faith originally because I was looking at all of this through a child's eye. So basically I felt as though I was immature, and now that I was older, had some experience, life experiences under my belt, let me give this another try. Because I had friends, and they were deeply into the church, and they just was oh, so happy, so, so, so happy. And so I wanted some of that happiness. So I went back to church, got serious about it, was a tongue-talking, Bible-thumping Christian. You know, preaching the words, everybody that came into my presence. However, because of my skill set and, you know, knowledge base, I was promoted quickly. You know, within me joining, you know, a couple of churches, within actually a couple of months, boom, you know, given responsibility and pulled into the inner circle. Now, that's where they messed up because with a lot of these ministers, preachers, pastors, you know, missionaries, evangelists, I would see what they would preach, and then they would be living something totally different. I remember one time we had a gathering, and the pastor, huh, had a big cup, you know, from one of these little convenience stores. So everybody thought he was drinking Coca-Cola. I was sitting next to him, and I smelled the Hennessy all over the place. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, having your little drink on, getting your little drink on. But he was drunk and uh, sitting there, and I'm sitting there next to him, and he was talking about everybody. So I know when I had to get up to go, I was going to get talked about as well. And, you know, he let some things slip that he shouldn't have let slip. And it's just a lot of other things that I saw, you know, just participating and getting to know other people, you know, well-known people in the religious community. And, you know, you had people up there, you know, preaching against LGBTQ, but Let's just say they weren't living that way. You know, um, they were LGBTQ, and it was just the whole thing. And, you know, I became disillusioned because it got to a point where I felt as though was I the only one actually taking this stuff to heart. And, you know, I left the relationship because, you know, it was not in line 
And so it was just interesting, just the whole thing. But, you know, what I would say about that in regard to the airing of grievances is while I, you know, am a little disappointed in what I saw now that I've grown as an adult, I understand they're people, they're human, and, you know, um, we've grown. We've grown, and, you know, I see it a little bit differently now, but that does not excuse them taking advantage of people. That does not excuse them as using the church as their piggy bank. That does not excuse them, you know, going through the church like a whirlwind and sleeping with everyone, man, woman, child, whatever. That that, that does not excuse the behavior. That does not excuse the behavior. You know, um, I was talking you know, on a couple of threads on Facebook with some religious people and just talking in general and their grievance this time of year is about people taking the Christ out of Christmas. And someone posted a picture yesterday, and I posted it on my wall, and it said, want to keep Christ in Christmas? Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, forgive the guilty, welcome the unwanted, care for the ill, Love your enemies and do unto others as you would have done unto you. That's how you keep the Christ in Christmas. For those out there that are Christians or, you know, Muslims or believers of some sort, you know, that's what I want to see. I want to see, you know, you all go out there and help the less fortunate. Um, Not only do I want to see that in the religious community, I actually want to see that in the secular community. And, you know, here's the part of airing of grievances is basically um, I want to see the same thing in the atheist, secular, non-believing, free-thinking community. Now, here we go. I'm getting ready to go in. And, you know, I've been trying to be good about this. I've been trying, you know, throughout the years, you know, because this show has been on two and a half years, I've contrasted the atheist community versus the religious community, and I see a lot of similarities. And there are people in the atheist community who are unhappy with me because, you know, I am airing this information and putting it out there. And, you know, they feel as though these are issues that should be handled and resolved within the atheist community. I do not agree because that was the same rationale that was used in a religious community. So they were covering each other and covering up you know, what's been happening. And, you know, while I'm not going to put people necessarily on blast, I'm going to put certain scenarios on blast because, again, I need for you all to see how in some cases there are some people with their behavior and their mindset. You know, like I said, there are a lot of people that have left the church, but the church hasn't left them, if you will. Um, the religious thinking, you know, the mob mentality, the group thing, it's just really interesting because I see it being transferred over into the secular community. So, you know, um, 
So, yeah, no, there's none of that covering. You know, we're going to talk about it. And so you have people, I mean, I've been called an Uncle Tom. I've been called a traitor. You know, they just didn't put race in front of it because, you know, I'm pointing out, you know, there are people in the community, black and white, that are pointing the finger at the black church. Now, I don't see them, you know, pointing it at the church specifically, you know, just in a broad context, but they are specifically pointing it at the black church. Now, while I'm not religious, you know, not even in the least bit, you know, I, you know, think that it's important. I think this is Deborah. Is that you, Deborah? Yeah, I don't know what's wrong. It's probably my, my um, maybe it might be my computer. I don't understand that. But No, 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 don't uh, worry. I knew it was you, so it's, it's all good. But let me finish making this oh, point okay. here so I get you online. You know, but, okay. you, know, you know, I've been called these different names because I'm not a militant atheist. Um, I'm not going to attack church people. I'm not going to attack the black church per se. This is one of the reasons why I cover certain subject matters. You know, I talk about social issues within the community, and that's why I tell you all different books that I recommend that you read. I am not going to attack Christians. Get that out of your head. I will attack Christianity. I will attack, you know, Islam. I will attack, but I'm not going to attack the people. I will attack and criticize the institution, but not the people. And this is where a lot of people have got it mixed up. You do not attack people. If you have a problem with Christianity, you state your reason. You state, first of all, the first thing you state is what you have the problem with. And then you give your reasons why you have a problem with that particular issue. But you do not attack people. And I see people attacking other people, and no, that's unacceptable. You do not do that because, you know, I've seen people attacking the black church specifically. Now, if you're going to attack the church, attack the the church as a whole. But when you start attacking the black church, Specifically, I have a problem with that. And the reason why I have a problem with that is Christianity in and of itself, the Bible in and of itself, what the Bible has taught people has damaged them. And if this is what they've been taught since they were brought to this country and it's been passed down throughout the generations, do you really think that having one or two conversations with them, you know, over the past five years, and, you know, again, the atheism as far as, you know, people of color becoming vocal and part of this, you know, community, we're in our infancy. And do you really believe that talking to these people over the matter of a couple of conversations over the past two, three years, that they're just supposed to just give up what they've known all their lives, the majority of them have been indoctrinated since they were, you know, in their mother's wombs. It's not that easy. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. And that's the reason why when I see these articles, when I see these blogs, and I see that the people's thinking is starting to change, that they're starting to evolve, that's why I am happy. That's why I am happy. 
And because I see that their thinking is changing, their thinking is evolving. You have to allow people to do this in their own way, in their own time, just like it took you some time. I'm sure that many of the, you know, atheists of color out there, when people were talking to you, secular people were talking to you, if you encountered any, I'm sure it took you some time. I'm sure when one of the people, an atheist or a free thinker or a humanist first approached you, I'm sure you were scared. I'm sure it put some fear in you because in church, this is my experience and this is what I've seen firsthand, you were taught to not talk to the atheists. You were taught to not listen to them. You were taught that they were evil. So when they come around and they start talking to you, it instills a fear. And so it takes some time, and that's why you educate them. That's why you enlighten them. That's why you show them with your life, you know, and and, and it's interesting because, you know, I talk about seeing religious people live a totally different life, that they're not... In many cases, there were some, because I've met some beautiful Christians, and many of them are still part of my life, and I would never do anything to hurt those people. They allow me to be me, and I allow them to be them, just like, you know, we don't allow or enjoy when Christians try to proselytize and force their views on us. We show the same respect. You know, you can give your opinion, they'll give theirs. And, you know, you know the person. Sometimes you just have to let it go. And there are some people out there that don't know how to do that on both sides of the fence. And so, um, again, let me see here. You know, it's, it's a learning process. So we have a couple of callers. Yes, happy Festivus. Festivus for the rest of us. So let's take this first one here. These are all 111 numbers. So 111, it should say, taking you off of mute. Hello? May we ask who's calling? Hi, my name's James, and um, I wanted to air some grievances I have against certain peoples in our society. Um, I wanted to start off and say that um, I'm a big fan of, have you ever watched Bill Mayer's Religious? I'm a really yeah. big fan of that movie. Excellent. And I want to I want to start off by saying that... Um, isn't it interesting how the religion which claims it's peaceful is the most violent in the world? And isn't it interesting how around the world, it seems that people of the world are trying to, trying to get peace with one another, but there are certain religions in certain places that make people just violent and animalistic? Well, I wouldn't necessarily it, say, okay, the, the religion like is... To the core, brutal. Well, the religion is a factor, but you also have politics in there. You have policies, and that's the reason why when we talk, you know, when I talk on this show, I try to show the broader picture. You know, in some cases, religion is a factor, but we also have to remember that you have politicians that are using religion as a smoke and mirrors. So Most you have, certainly, and I think that's most evident in when you look at a country like Israel and when you look at the politics there and how they've sort of used religion in, in Net, Netanyahu's really scope, well, taken the political spectrum and shifted it really to the brink of fascism in Israel, created this sort of 
apartheid state through the support of the settlers who are extremist Jewish Orthodox peoples and violent Jewish Orthodox sects. So we see that like the kettle's starting to boil in that region. And honestly, I, I just I think it's disgusting what's going on there, and I think that Jewish people around the world should look at themselves in the mirror, and those who donate to Israel or give to Israeli funds should really question what they're doing with their funds and really question what impact they're having on the world, and especially since Nelson Mandela, Nelson Mandela did die recently, and I think that he was a uh, he was a man who who brought down apartheid, and so I think Israel it's Israel's turn to look in the mirror. And it's Israel's turn to start staring itself in the mirror, stop controlling the media, and just look at itself, stop persuading our politicians to give you more bombs and nuke more or kill more Palestinians for absolutely no reason, aside from some pitiful self-defense claim that was yeah. br- basically a token to George Bush's war on terror. Maybe, maybe it presided it, but I'm not too sure about that. And I just want to say one more thing. Um, I want to air some more grievances out against... Um, I also want to air grievances out on the other side of the coin and say that the people that are fighting in Syria, that I want to air my grievances against the rebels in that, in that case, and I want to say that General Assad will be victorious and that the media has really shown us that they're biased against General Assad, who's a secularist, and therefore these Muslim terrorists, rebels. And um, well, I just want to... Yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. And, and it's another... It's another Another example of the way this Jewish-controlled media controls our thoughts and opinions and how our Jewish-controlled president, Obama, is a failed Manchurian candidate. And I think that okay. the American people, it's time for the American people to look themselves in the mirror, stop drone-striking people around the world, stop creating terror around the world of their authoritarian state. I think it's time for okay. peoples of the world to unite in a revolution, a revolution against the... Alrighty then, and so, you know, that was interesting there, (laughs) but what I wanted to say was, you know, when he was talking about what was happening over in Israel, um, you know, part of that is, you know, I have an issue with that, yes, I do believe that they're instilling apartheid over there in regards to the Palestinians, and also I've posted a couple of articles on how they're trying to kick out the African immigrants, they're trying to offer them $3,500 each to leave and go back to Africa, so repatriation for those of you that aren't aware of that. And, you know, you know, a lot of these people have come to Israel, and they've been certified as being Jewish. And, you know, we've talked about this before, that, you know, they go and they test the DNA, and it's a particular Y chromosome, you know, the mitochondrial DNA, and that's how they're able to test, and that's how they're able to authenticate that a person is authentically Jewish. And these Ethiopians in particular are Jewish, and now they're trying to send them back. They've had riots over there, race riots, and, of course, that hasn't received a lot of coverage in the media, this repatriation that, you know, the Israelis are trying to instill upon the Ethiopians and other Africans. That's not being covered by the media. You know, the apartheid that's happening over there, that's not being covered by the media. And so I just think that, you know, it's important that, you know, we talk about those issues and we bring those to light because, you know, I find it ironic that, you know, uh, you know, in different scenarios in particular when, 
you know, Germany, Hitler, you know, that regime there when they were, you know, committing genocide against, you know, the Jewish community there. And it wasn't just Jewish community. There were blacks in the Holocaust. They were, you know, killing them off. They were killing off, um, and those particular blacks, you know, were generally from the Rhineland. And I know this is not school. I'm not trying to give you, you know, that's what we have specific shows for. And I wanted to talk about, you know, the blacks that were part of the Holocaust. They were killing off LGBTQ members during the Holocaust. And basically, I'm going to go back to African Americans that were killed during the Holocaust. The majority of them came from the Rhineland, and most of them were products or byproducts of white German women um, having children with, you know, um, black soldiers that came to the country, you know, from different parts of the world. And so they were killing them off. They were calling them different names. And even now, over in Germany, you know, people of mixed heritage, you know, um, they're having a hard time over there. As a matter of fact, there has been a resurgence of racism over in Germany, um, some of the Nazi groups, you know, some of the Nazi groups over there, um, you know, have, you know, taken, have grown, just like over here in this country, the skinhead groups, the militias, um, they've been growing, you know, since, you know, President Obama has been elected to office. Now, going back to the comment that the gentleman made earlier, I do not necessarily believe that President Obama is a Manchurian candidate, if you will. However, um, this is just my opinion. All of the presidents of the United States, you know, they're just figureheads. They have some power, but they don't have the amount of power that most people attribute to them. Okay? They do not make laws. Congress makes laws. You understand? So, again, we have three branches of the government. You have your legislative, those are your representatives and your senators, okay? You have your judicial, which is the Supreme Court, and you have your executive, which is the president, and he signs the law. So, you know, he signs the bills into law, okay? So, you know, it's just as important that you understand how these three different branches of the government work. Um, you know, there are a lot of free civic classes out there. I would advise you guys to go out there. I post all the time about how there are, you know, free courses online, you know, for those that, you know, you have civic courses. There are courses in, you know, astronomy, physics, all of that, that is out there, this technology that we have, take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Um, so, you know, going back, you know, let's, you know, since we're airing grievances, you know, let's talk about President Obama since the young man brought him up. I believe that, you know, there are a lot of people out here that, we'll just put it this way, since President Obama was elected, you know, um, a lot of late racism has come to the forefront. And I remember having um, a conversation with someone 
um, about President Obama. And, you know, this is someone of African-American descent. And basically they were saying that this was before the 2008 election, and they were saying that they believe that once President Obama was elected, that all the racism would go away. And I looked at them, and again, this is a woman of African-American descent, and I said, you don't really believe that, do you? And she said, yes. And she says, but, you know, we'll talk about it again. So she went home. And so I went back the next week. And she says, well, I talked to my husband about it, and we don't necessarily think all of it will go away, but most of it will go away. And I repeated my same line. You don't really believe that, do you? And she said, yes. And my response was, it's actually going to get worse. And she said, it can't. We'll have a, you know, a black or half-black president. Well, I haven't spoken to her in a while. As a matter of fact, I think I may call her up tomorrow and uh, <laughs> and see, you know, where her thoughts are now. Because a lot of the latent racism has come out when you have people, members of the Tea Party, showing up in Washington, D.C., with semi-automatic weapons and weapons and displaying it and demanding that the president come out so that they can arrest him, demanding that he go back to wherever it was he came from because they're questioning his birthright, if you will. They are questioning whether he's an American. No, we, we haven't seen that with any other president. We have not seen that, period. And, again, that's why I did the show, if you go back to my three-part series, you know, Mutiny Privilege, and, you know, I'm talking about, especially on part one, I was talking about, you know, the race riots of yesteryear and the one that I believe that has the potential of blowing up now. And some of those, the majority of those race riots were predicated on, you know, white people stating that there were not enough jobs for their people. You know, they didn't see a viable future for their children. And so they took it out on, you know, what was considered the weakest link. And at that time, those were the freed slaves and, you know, people of color because, you know, they've attacked different people. You know, we talked about um, what happened in Tulsa. We talked about what happened in Wilmington. We talked about what happened in Rosewood. We've talked about a lot of these things. And this is what's happening now, and this is why, you know, I'm trying to alert people. And I know we have people on hold, people that have their hand raised. I'm going to get to you. I don't want you to think that I'm ignoring you. I will be answering those calls. But I need to make my point. Um, we're seeing the same thing now. And unfortunately, just in general, Americans vote with their pocketbooks. We vote based on economics. Now, economics is very important. Okay, you know, you know we still have to eat. Um, you know, and what's happening in this country, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just 
you know, it's, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. But it seems as though it's being set up to happen again. But when you have people like the Tea Party and these militias and, you know, members of the Ku Klux Klan holding meetings, saying that they want to impeach President Obama, you know, showing up and basically saying that they want to overthrow the government. They want to get him out of the country. Yes, someone in the chat room says Citizens United. Yes, Citizens United is the organization that took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and that is why they now see corporations as people. They have personhood now, and that's the reason why we talk about these different laws. We talk about what's happening. It's important that you all understand that there are people that can donate money, I mean, obscene amount of money to, you know, uh, you know um, candidates, you know, for, for Congress, candidates. I mean, it's just, it's, it's been really interesting. The Koch brothers, they donated millions upon millions, and their candidates still lost, you know, the election in which they're not happy. But, I mean, I just want you all to pay attention because, you know, we're sitting on a powder keg. We are sitting on a powder keg. And so, you know, to be fair, you know, you know, other communities have been attacked as well. You know, I talked about how, you know, way back before they were considered honorary white people, um, Italian communities were attacked, Irish communities were attacked, Polish people and communities were attacked. It's important that you guys know and you understand what's been happening throughout the, you know, throughout the, you know, history of this country because these communities, you know, again, they've been attacked and you know, called names, you know, they used to call Irish people and Italian people, and particularly Italian people from the southern region of Italy, they were called guineas. And, you know, that's a derogatory term, you know, basically the white equivalent of the N-word. And so, you know, it's just interesting, but, you know, um, I just need for you all to be aware of history because history does repeat itself. And it's just, it's important that you all, um, you know, understand what's been happening in this country and what's being set up to happen. Okay, so, again, I'm going to pick up these calls, but it was President Obama, you know, the Affordable Health Care Act, you know, passed, and that's going to help everyone. You know, the Republicans are trying to decimate the social safety nets um, that have been put in place in this country for those that are agreeing with them and saying Social Security should be abolished and privatized. I respectfully disagree because a lot of people do not realize that under Ronald Reagan, under Ronald Reagan, before Ronald Reagan, they weren't able, the government was not able to touch Social Security. Under Ronald Reagan, those rules were changed, those laws were changed, and they've been borrowing against Social Security all of this time. They've spent the money. Right. So they're trying to privatize it. So if they privatize it and then you move that money, what's going to happen? And it's going to have an even bigger effect on communities of color. So, you know, you have a lot of 
people of color that are buying into this conservative line um, about, you know, what's happening in this country. They are putting out smoke and mirrors. It's just a line of deception. And, you know, especially with a lot of, you know, religious people, I see them, oh, no, no homosexuality, no gay marriage. But those are the wrong issues to be focused on. You're asking the wrong questions. And that's why, you know, what I find interesting, you know, I'll hear people saying my taxes are too high. I'll hear people say that the schools are dilapidated, that the educational system, you need to be asking why. Especially in communities of color, you have all of these churches which pay no taxes. And if you go in and you audit their books, they own a lot of real estate. And on that real estate, they pay no taxes. In many cases, they don't pay water bills. They get a substantial discount on their gas and lights. They're taking money out of the community. They are the thieves in the temple, if you will. And, you know, so, I mean, again, um, I want you guys to think about that, so I'm going to start taking calls. <laughs> so the first call I'm going to take is from area code 661. And before I make your, your mic live, I want you to state your name and where you're from and then ask your question. So area code 661, your mic is hot, your name, area, and your question, please. Hello? Okay. I think 661 has changed their mind. Are you there? All right. Back on hold. They go. All right. We have Skyrim Vegas. I'm bringing them on. State your name, your location, and your question, please. Skyrim Vegas. Hello. Hello. Yeah, my name's Tyrone. Hi, Tyrone. Yeah. Do you have a question for us? I do. Sure, go ahead. I, uh, down in the Bronx, uh, we got a mail system going on. Uh, his name I won't give out, but uh, his name is 4chan, and I'll be here all night. Be thank. All right. All right. What fun. So, <laughs> so I guess, um, <clears throat> you know, the airing of grievances is it's just interesting. Here we go. We'll try again. I'm going to pick up area code 574 again. State your name, your location, and your question. Area code 574. Hi, this is Eddie. Hey, did Fort, a 4chan member just call you, by the way? All right, there you go. All right, so interesting. All right, one, one, one. We're going to try this again. Your name, your location, and your question. You can hear Hello? me, right? Yeah, yeah, you're here, Deborah. This is another oh, call. Okay. I just checked. I had one, one, one the other week. Yeah, you're on one this week as well. Okay, back right. on hold, they go. All right. <laughs> so we, I believe, six six one just called back, and uh, we've talked to you. So 
It's just interesting. Um, I think Raina is on the line. When she's ready to talk, she can press one because um, it's just interesting. Whenever we talk about, <laughs> you know, um, you know, um, <laughs> it's just interesting. You know, when we talk about, you know, these particular issues, you know, we get a lot of interesting people calling in, especially when we're talking about sexism or we're talking about racism. You know, we always get the cream of the crop, if you will, um, and not in a good way, um, calling in to try to disrupt the show. But anyway, we're going to go back and, you know, finish talking about the airing of grievances. So for those that are upset about, you know, the Affordable Care Act, we're going to go back to that, you know, again, people who had, you know, let's say illnesses, you know, preexisting illnesses, you know, they were being denied insurance. They were being denied, in some cases, even medical care because, you know, no one would insure them. The medical bills were just exorbitant. You know, many of these people ended up in bankruptcy because they could not afford their medical bills. There are people who have died because, you know, the medical system, the hospitals wouldn't, you know, um, care for them. You know, if you go into the emergency room, you know, you have, you know, your leg hanging off and hanging on only by a vein or two. Yeah, they're going to treat you, and then they're going to send you home. But how are you going to purchase the antibiotics? How are you going to purchase the painkillers? How are you going to get to physical therapy if it gets to that point? These were people that were suffering and suffering in silence. Um, right. You know, and, and it's wrong on so many accords. And just going on, you know, since we're airing grievances and, you know, to tie in with, you know, a couple of our very special callers from earlier, um, again, you know, um, with the consumers, you know, since President Obama has been in office, you know, Elizabeth Warren has been able to, you know, come to office and he was trying to, you know, appoint her to an office, but she wasn't confirmed. Then she ran on her own accord and was elected, you know. And Elizabeth Warren, I just think she's absolutely phenomenal. She's for the average person. She's for the consumer. And she is getting so much done. But, again, you know, there have been many laws that have been passed, you know, that will help your everyday average person. Now, you have basically... A lot of people, in particular, um, people who are, you know, working class and poor people, they have been, you know, sold this conservative, you know, line of BS, and they're voting against themselves. They're voting against their own well-being, and this is what we're trying to show you in basically I posted an article in the past few days, and it was talking about the church. Now, when you listen to many of these conservatives, they're trying to cut social safety nets and put that responsibility on the church. Now, I have been saying for a while that these conservatives, you know, namely the Republican Party, these libertarians, these Tea Party people, they are setting you up to fail. They are setting the church up to implode. 
you need to pay attention. Because in this particular article, it was talking about how the churches can barely pay their own bills, let alone be responsible for helping, you know, people in need. Now, mind you, if you go and you look at the books at many of these churches, it is top-heavy. And when I say top-heavy, the majority of the money coming in goes towards administrative costs, which means people's salaries and the running and upkeep of the church. Now, exactly, 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 the cars and the homes and all of that falls under the 501c3. So it's not coming out of the pastor. Their homes and their cars are being purchased under the 501c3, under the church's name. And basically the church is paying for all of that. So, yeah, that's part of the administrative cost, you know, like pool upkeep and, you know, the dog grooming, all of that. You know, that's why we explain these things, because we think it's important that you all understand that. And in addition to that, you know, you have people saying, well, the church helps people with their bills. Again, this is smoke and mirrors. When you go to the church and you tell them that you need help with your gas and lights, first you must find a church in your local area code, and well, your zip code, rather. And sometimes it will be the, the next zip code. just depends on how they have it set up and you go in, it's not the church that's giving you the money. It's not the church that's passing the money to the gas and light companies. That is coming from the government. They are basically renting out office space in the church and giving members of that church a job, a part-time job. So the person that's doing the intake, the data entry, that's you know, Xeroxing your ID and your bill, basically they are the ones – They are the ones that are paying your bills. It's the government. The church is leasing the space. And if they take this social safety net away, people are still going to go to that church and ask for help. And the church is going to have to turn them away. So what's going to happen then? You are going to have people marching in the street. I'm telling you, this is what's about to happen. And, you know, I just, you know, just think it's, is sad, you know, what's happening and, you know, what's been going on and how it's being set up to fall and fail. And as far as, like, the atheist community, um, especially the ones pointing the finger specifically at, you know, churches of color, I mean, our communities are the ones that are most suffering, communities of color and poor white communities. What are they going to do? The secular community has nothing set up, very little. Okay, you gave away a couple of turkeys. Wonderful. You know, you gave some children some toys. Wonderful. What about giving people some jobs? And, I mean, there are people in the atheist community that are suffering. I see it in my news feed. People are losing their jobs. People are losing their homes. There are people, you know, that are hurting. Where is the compassion in this community? And while I understand that there are some problems in the church, again, you attack the ideology. You do not attack the people. That's all I'm saying, you know, because I come hard after Christianity, but I don't go after Christians per se, you know, unless there's someone like Pat Robertson. Or the camping guy, Harold Camping, he just passed away. So I wonder if he predicted that. 
you know. Um, so, right. you know, all of that. But as far as, like, you know, some of the Christians that are out there, many of them, you know, they, they, they describe the church as a hospital and that people that are sick, they're attending that hospital, if you will, to get better. You know, and it is somewhat profound in its own way. Many of these people, they know that they're ill. They know that they have issues. So they're trying to find an answer. They're trying to find some semblance of hope. They're trying to, you know, understand the world and what's happening around them. And all of these years... They've been told that if they go to church and get their, you know, get their lives yeah. situated and have faith and believe on God and give, then those, you know, problems will be alleviated. Those problems will be solved. They've been sold a line of BS. Yeah. You understand? But... They've been sold a line of BS, and as we tell them that they've been sold that line of BS, then they leave. Then what? Now they're dealing with it on their own. You know, mental health care services have been slashed. The funding has been slashed. People need help. You know, during the Reagan years, they tore down the transient hotels. They turned people out of mental institutions, and they were just put out on the street. And many of them have gone to the church for help. But, you know, I understand your compassion. I really do because I have it too. But when you talk about help, it's more like a, a, a Band-Aid. A, a ba- a exactly. Band-Aid. Exactly. You know I agree with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I agree with you. And they instead of putting that, a Band-Aid on it, yeah. No, instead of putting a Band-Aid on it, what we need to do is to find out the source, which is why I say they need the health care, whether it's mental or physical health care. People need jobs. People need opportunities and access to education, job retraining, all of this. People, we need to start questioning the public policies. Instead of attacking poor people, Instead of attacking single mothers, instead of attacking, you know, teenagers that may have happened to have, you know, gotten impregnated, instead of attacking individuals, we need to attack the institutions. And when I say attack them, I'm not talking about a mutiny. I'm talking about getting, putting on your marching boots, picking up your picket sign, and voting the bastards out of office. That's what I'm talking about. I think we got Travis on the line with us. Hello, Earthlings. Hello. I heard you say that some, and happy season's greetings to y'all. You know, I heard you say that some people think of the church as a hospital. I just wanted to say, uh, prayer is not medicine. Robert Greene. Exactly. That's right. Prayer is not medicine, and prayer is not going to make your diabetes go away. Prayer is not going to, you know, bring somebody back from the dead. Prayer is not going to stop those voices that you're hearing. It's not going to do that. You cannot shout your way 
into recovery, that shelter way into healing. And, you know, what's unfortunate is a lot of these churches used to preach against going to mental health care. They used to preach against going to the doctor. They used to preach against a lot of these things. But as time has gone on, in some cases this has changed. Now the question is why? And some of the reason for that is some of these Churches have found a way to monetize it. So that's why you have these life coaches out here. That's why you have Christian counselors. So they can bill Medicaid in your insurance companies in some respect. And there are some people who have come out of these programs worse than what they were when they went in. So they found a way to monetize. The same thing with the Affordable Care Act. There are ways to monetize this. I've talked about this on the show. I've told people things that you can do to monetize it. What has happened is, you know, a lot of these churches, I'll give you one real-life example, Jamal Bryant at Empowerment Temple up there in Baltimore. When he realized that, you know, the Affordable Care Act was going to pass, what he did is he opened up his own little insurance brokerage. And so now they're selling insurance. They're making money, and a lot of other churches have joined in on that. So, again, when when the Bible says that they will make merchandise out of you, this is what they're talking about. Right. You know, this is part of it. And so this is why I feel it's important that you guys understand this and understand what's happening. So, yeah, I'm talking about a lot about the church today, but I'm also talking about the atheist community. On one hand, yes, we're in our infancy and we're growing, but on the other hand, I'm seeing a lot of the behavior from, you know, um, what I saw in religion being emulated over on this side. And, you know, on February the 2nd, I'm doing a show that Sunday, and it's called Church Hurt Atheist. And it should be a real interesting show. And so, you I know. A yes, ma'am. I just want to ask a quick question, you know, because I'm thinking sure, about putting a page up. I'm thinking about putting a page on Facebook, and I've, I've been researching, doing, you know, looking all over the Internet. I don't see too many black people, uh, like uh, blacks for disabled, who are disabled. Right. And I feel... I'm going to tell you, I feel um, like I'm invisible as a a black person. And I don't feel like maybe I'm the only one complaining about medical care. No, 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 ma'am, no, Deborah. Excuse me. There are a lot of people that have been complaining about, you know, being invisible. I mean, people of color, we feel invisible as well. But, I mean, when it comes to people that have disabilities, yes, you know, you feel like you're disabled. You know, there are resources out there, but you don't get the type of press that you need. And you're not the only person out here that has, you know, a disability. And I have friends, and we talk about this all the time. And, yes, I believe that, you know, people that, you know, are disabled, that, you know, they need to be out here, have they need to their page, they need to be out here protesting, you know, they need to be out here talking about the public policies. And, you know, because funding has been cut for, you know, a lot of these programs. And, you know, it, it's just unfortunate. And so, no, you're not alone. If you want to start that page, start that page, post it. Well, well I, basically, I was going to say post it on my wall, but I stopped allowing people to post on my wall because I had a couple of idiots, and maybe I'll open that back up. But um, you can post it on my wall. You know, you're always welcome to post on my wall, Deborah. You know, but, um, you, 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 yeah, it's ahead. weird out here. And now, uh, 
It's been even Obamacare before that. People, them people up there, the treatment we were getting, they would never. It will never happen. It would. I mean, they would get. They wouldn't. The tricks that they play would mm-hmm. never happen to those people up there. Okay. Right. I mean, seriously, they don't understand. They don't. Un- they don't want to understand. I. I think I can't see somebody being supposed to be up there, like a senator or whatever, and don't know what's going on. I just can't. Well, the see thing it. is, right? Exactly. No, they do know what's happening. I mean, there is a disconnect. You know, I'll grant that. You know, there is a disconnect once they have attained a certain amount of power and privilege and wealth. They cannot necessarily understand the proletariat, you know, the average everyday American citizen. So that's where the disconnect comes. But they do know what's happening in many of them. I can't say all of them, but there are many of them that just do not care because many people have this attitude, I have mine, now you get yours. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to tie that back to some of the religious thinking, especially with this word of faith, prosperity gospel. That is what they are teaching people. I got mine, and now it's time for you to go get yours. And, you know, the wealth of the righteous is laid up in the hands of the wicked. You know those scriptures. And Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, unfortunate because a lot of people are buying into a selfish type of mindset, you know, and it's just interesting because I see more people turning into selfish hedonists that only care about themselves you know, whether it's through religion or through political affiliation. And it's becoming more and more prevalent. And, you know, I just, you know, feel that it's extremely unfortunate, extremely unfortunate. And, um, yeah, we need to be out here. We need to be protesting. You've heard me say for, you know, since I've been on this show, since we started in 2011, it's time to put the marching boots on and it's time to protest. When Occupy Wall Street first came about, I was out there with them until they started clowning and getting arrested. You know, I'm not up for that. <laughs> but in the event, in the event that I'm protesting, you know, and you know they are arresting people for no reason, then so be it. But I'm not going to get arrested because someone wants to kick a cop in the face. No, 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 not no, not me. So, you know, it's, it's just interesting, um, you know, how all of this is coming about. But we do. We need to get out here um, and start talking, you know, again, there's communities of color and poor white communities. And when I say communities of color, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the indigenous people. I'm talking about black people. I'm talking about Latinos. I'm talking about um, Asians, you know, Pacific, you know, Islanders. I'm talking about everyone who is not necessarily a wasp, if you will. But, you know, honorary white people tend to consider themselves as part of the mainstream. So, you know, I guess, you know, we're not necessarily talking to or about them in their mind. But at the end of the day, they're going to be surprised, and I'll leave it at that. But um, it's just it's important that we understand, you know, what's really happening. And that's why I say don't attack individuals. You have to attack the institutions, if you will. So, you know, when going back to what I was saying about, you know, how some militant atheists, you know, want to attack the church, 
per se and why I don't necessarily agree with them attacking the black church specifically. You know, attack the church as a whole institution. But going after the black church specifically, the reason why, you know, I feel that that can be kind of dangerous is because we've been taught this for well over 400 years. You know, a couple of hundred years of, you know, indentured servitude, and then after that you had Reconstruction, you had the Black Codes, you had Jim Crow. You know, we were allegedly really, truly set free during the civil rights, well, the latest wave of the civil rights era, and that's only been a little bit over, you know, 50 years, if you will. So in mm-hmm. this, and even during this 50 years, you know, the public policies, have been set against us, and I spoke about that in depth on a Privileged Mutiny series, Part 1, 2, and 3. But particularly in Part 3, when I talked about affirmative action, that I brought it home. And that's only my first show on affirmative action. But I talked about the GI Bill. I talked about, you know, HUD, housing and urban development. I talked about the Federal Housing Authority, so on and so forth. And I talked about how when these programs were set up under the New Deal, how it created the middle class, but it created the white middle class. I talked about how in one year alone in the state of Mississippi, how well over 3,000 white people were able to benefit from low-cost housing through the VA, you know, the VA loans, and only two blacks were able to get those same loans. It was public policy. And so what I'm saying is they make these laws, and this is the deal that was struck between the Democrats and Republicans. The new deal would not have been able to pass unless the Southerners, the Dixiecrats, if you will, you know, gave their blessing, voted to make it pass. But the compromise that was made was with those federal dollars that they would be passed down to the states and that the states would be able to administer and distribute those funds. And that's how they were able to discriminate because they were able to determine who was eligible and who wasn't. You know, in regards to unemployment and, you know, welfare, I talked about that as well, and Social Security. A lot of people of color were denied those benefits as well, in particular people that worked in agricultural um, types of work, um, you know, agrarian, and people who were domestic workers. Those were your maids and your cooks and all of that. And primarily those people were people of color, black people namely. So they were excluded. So if they were terminated, they were not able to go and collect unemployment. You know, there was no money initially being put away in Social Security for them. There were a few white women, once they started implementing and demanding that they put money in Social Security for these people, there were some white women who at first refused to pay. They were taken to court, and the court said, pay up, and they did. So, again, the policies, the policies, the policies. And some of those policies are still in place. You know, and now, you know, you have, you know, some blacks, some whites, some Latinos that are filling those jobs, and they are being treated unfairly. They're the poor. Now, you know, I've talked about this before, you know, race is a social construct, okay? And I did a show on social construction, and we broke this down. And 
while race is a social construct, unfortunately, in Western society, in America, that is a hierarchical system by which many people base their lives and in how they treat others. We didn't make this up, you know, so, you know, it's just interesting, you know, how all of this comes about. But personally, I believe that most of this is about the haves versus the have-nots. But they use race as a carrot, if you will, in front of the people because it's easier to get people to fight one another based on that particular difference, the difference in race, the difference in gender, um, you know, sexual orientation, so on and so forth. So while they keep people fighting and disagreeing and arguing about these matters, you know, the rich are still able to get richer, the middle class is continuing to be crushed and eliminated, and the poor are getting poorer. Meanwhile, the GDP is growing. And for those that do not understand, you know, what's happening with the gross domestic product, go out there. That's why the stock market is doing fine, because the GDP is stable and growing. So we want you to become aware. Become aware and understand what's happening out here. Understand how the American dollar is being floated and inflated. This, this is um, like a plantation plan, that's all. I mean Exactly. If they didn't have if they didn't have if they didn't have consumers, they wouldn't make no money. Okay? If everybody was a, a entrepreneur, they wouldn't make no money. So they gotta keep you down. You understand? They gotta keep you buying from them instead of you you doing your own thing. They don't want us if if we they got a lot of black uh, uh, groups on uh, business groups on on Facebook and all over the all over the um, internet, but they actually do not want us to come together, okay? And because if we did, we would bankrupt ass. Yeah, bankrupt. yeah, and and you know the interesting thing is, um, yes, they want you to be consumed consumers, and that's why you know with them pumping the money back into the economy, you know, and also with unemployment, you know, basically, um, you know, they want you to spend that money. And we're a global economy, so it affects other countries as well. And for those that aren't familiar, America has been taking loans out from other countries. Um, you just you need to understand the economy and how it works, and this kind of ties into what I was saying about how, you know, many Americans vote with their pocketbooks, you know. So we just, we just want you all to be aware of, you know, what's happening and how this is transpiring and how it affects you as an individual. But, yeah, they want you to spend the money, you know, and unfortunately, you know, many people fall into that. And, you know, one of the here we go with the airing of grievances. You know, I've, I have many people that I've come into contact with, black, white, Latino, um, Asian, and they've said, well, I may be poor, but I'm not going to look poor. And then they go and spend their money on clothes and cars. Um, there was, you know, some incidents in New York, people standing in line for the New Jordans, you know, fighting yeah. in the line. 
for the new Jordans, and these things, they do not matter. But, again, going back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier, when people wanting, you know, some validation, some people wanting some sense of self, some people, you know, wanting a boost in their esteem, you know, there are different ways that people go about doing these things, and this is just one of the ways and that's why I say we need to re-educate some people. We need to retool some people. It's important. And that's why I think these shows like this, I believe they're important. I hope that we're helping somebody. And I'm not saying don't look nice. I'm not saying, you know, don't do nice things for yourself or others. What I'm saying is, is that, you know, do you want a permanent fix or a temporary fix? And that goes back to what, you know, we were talking about with the Band-Aid. You know, do you want to put a Band-Aid on the problem or do you actually want them to go in and focus in to the root of the problem and fix the problem so that it is no longer a problem? I'd rather have them go in and find a solution to the problem than put a Band-Aid on it. You know, unfortunately, in many cases, I see them throwing money at the problem. Why are you throwing money at the problem? Why don't you take that money and try to solve the problem? So it's just interesting, but, you know, in many cases we're going to have to, you know, come back and, you know, fix it. And someone in the, in the um, chat room said, I blame the American propaganda. Rich people are laughing at us, and I agree. You know, it's a lot of propaganda. This is why I read newspapers from other countries, because they, number one, publish stories that aren't brought up in the media in this country. They publish different perspectives, and it's just, it's important, you know, it's important for you all to look at this from, you know, a lot of different perspectives, and um, it's just interesting, you know, we have someone in the chat room saying they blame sin and rebellion and selfishness of men, and, um, you know, again, you get that religious mindset, this is what they've been taught. They've been taught to blame sin and rebellion. They have not been taught to go out and get to the root of the issue. You know, when I was talking earlier about, you know, teenage pregnancy, those numbers have come down, and I published an article about that, and that is absolutely wonderful. You know, the teenage pregnancy rates have come down. But, again, we need to talk about how some teenagers have gone to, you know, the pharmacy to pick up, um, products that are over-the-counter products, but the pharmacists refuse to sell them to the teenagers because of their religious convictions or, you know, the lack of access to Planned Parenthoods in poor communities and communities of color. And, you know, some of the religious notions that, you know, the teaching of abstinence, which does not work. And I, I posted no, an article no, no, let me say this one thing and then I'll let you up the bar. Um, the funding for abstinence-only programs, you know, there's a bill up to cut the funding for that, which I think is wonderful. And unfortunately, some of these churches get funding for, you know, that type of program. They even get some funding right. for sexual education, but they're not doing what they're supposed to do. So go ahead, Deborah. I, you know, I even know a church, I don't know whether I told you this or not, but told the, the, the teenager she was pregnant, so the pastor all the way up at, at the pulpit now. I'm gonna tell her to get out of church in front of all those people. But the point is, what I'm saying is, you know, and and that's really sick. 
okay? The point yeah. is, though, what I'm saying is that they talking, what I don't like is how they put the blame of being pregnant on the woman, or on the female. I mean, you can go and get condoms any time of the week, and they never had been a problem. If a man, I think it's both, if, if you're going to blame somebody, blame both of them, and they, you got black men blaming everything on the black woman, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, you're talking about the public shaming. And we've done several shows on shaming, you know, whether it's shaming people about, you know, being sexually active or shaming people about their body size or shaming, just just public shaming, period. You know, there are a number Mm -hmm. of categories that fall under that. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but when it comes to birth control and who's responsible, you know, both parties are responsible, but then I take some of that back to the parents because, you know, in some cases some of these young folks are learning about sex and sexuality through the streets, through other young people who don't have a clue either. And then when they go to school and they have, um, you know, health class, you know, when you go to that portion talking about sexuality, they're teaching you abstinence only. You know, Mm -hmm. in many cases they are not telling you about birth control. So in some cases it's ignorance, and when I say ignorance, I'm talking about a lack of knowledge. You know, in some cases, it's a lack of access. In other cases, it's willful. You know, so, you know, in some cases, there are some young people that want to get pregnant. You understand? That want to have a baby. You know, I've heard of instances in which, you know, some young folks or, you know, wanted to get pregnant because they knew that they did not have any real educational or employment opportunities ahead of them. So they figured that if they got pregnant that, you know, they would be able to have access to the social safety net. So it goes back to, again, you know, when I talk about some of the public policies. And unfortunately, I believe that, you know, the lack of access to Planned Parenthood and prophylactics and things of that nature, that's part of public policy. Because if you're funding those abstinence-only programs, but you're not funding, because remember, it was a big uproar um, recently in the past couple of years when they were trying to defund Planned Parenthood, when the federal government was trying to take the few dollars away that they give to Planned Parenthood away, saying that Planned Parenthood was using it for abortions, which is incorrect. And, you know, that goes back to, you know, a conversation that a friend had this weekend. You cannot legislate morality. Now, how the laws are interpreted, you know, that's subjective. But you cannot legislate morality. So, you know, it's it's just interesting. But some of the laws are starting to change. But, again, you know, we have to educate our communities and get out here and start protesting and demanding change. So, again, it's time to put the marching boots on. It's time to pick up the picket signs. Like I said, put those tithing and offering envelopes down. Write a letter to your politicians and not just your federal, you know, legislators. You know, I'm talking about it's important that you get involved in local politics because what happens in local politics affects you directly more directly than a federal politics, even though that does affect you as well. I don't want to discount or disregard, you know, their role. But 
you know, what happens with your mayor, what happens with your aldermen and commissioners, what happens with your state reps, you know, all of that has a direct bearing on you with your governor, with, you know, the judges that are appointed, the judges that are elected. You need to understand, and you need to understand their politics and vote accordingly. But we need to kind of, you know, stop being oblivious to what's really happening in this country. So, you know, I'm airing a bunch of grievances on our behalf, but, you know, it's also important that we understand and have some compassion for what's happening in other countries because I will tell you guys, keep your eye on South Africa. Yeah. Because now that Nelson Mandela has passed away, you know, our condolences to everyone that was affected by that, friends, family, allies, you know, you know, people that admired him, everyone, you know, you're going to see some changes because the largest um, union in South Africa has voted to cut ties with the ANC, the African National Congress. So there are some changes that are about to take place over there. There has been a resurgence or an upsurgence, if you will, of racism throughout Europe. You know, I've posted some articles about what's been happening in Germany and France and, you know, other parts of the country, what's happening in Brazil, you know, what's happening here in America. It's important that we see what's happening, that we understand what's going on, because now that we're a global economy, this does have a bearing on us. This does have a bearing on, you know, what's coming about. So, you know, um, keep your eyes and ears open. Keep your eyes and ears open. It's important that you all understand what's going on. But, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> you know, sitting here um, just watching, you know, what's going on in the chat room. I just let that person stay for kicks and giggles just so we can see. But, you know, I understand the rationale about how the Bible was used to enslave the minds of the slaves. And if you enslave a person's mind, you can enslave them. And unfortunately, that is still playing out today because there are a lot of people whose common sense, if you will, is tethered to that Bible. But this is why you have to educate people. And some of what I see coming from different people, you know, in the community, in the way that they're trying to, quote, unquote, educate people, it's abusive, plain and simple. It's abusive. Telling people that they're stupid or calling them, a, you know, fucked hard or retard or whatever, that's offensive and it's abusive. We're being if like you. Feel that hurts, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not excusing them. I mean, I'm like, not excusing when you think about what, what went on into the, in the church when I was growing mm-hmm. up, right? <laughs> we're being like them. Exactly, exactly. There you go, Deborah. You're right on. And you know, and you know, but we have some religious people that come at us like that as well. And I'm not excusing them or their behavior. Now, for those of you that have been listening to this show, you all know that I believe in civility. I want to dialogue. I do not want to debate. I do not want to argue. You can talk to me. I may not agree, but you can talk to me. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just it's interesting, you know, how all of that. And just like we see religious people with the circular arguments, 
you see the same thing in this community. Atheists do have circular arguments. You know, they do commit logical fallacies. So, you know, I'm just telling you guys, you know, I'm seeing a lot of the same thing on this side of the equation that I saw on the other side of the equation. So we need to examine ourselves and see, you know, and reevaluate our approach to different things. Um, James Rath Wright, White, wrote an article earlier this year talking about, you know, the atheist approach to society. And he was alluding to the fact that maybe atheists need to proselytize like the religious people proselytize to get our message out there to let people know that we're here. I'm kind of on the fence about that. You know, I have to do some more studying and researching and, you know, inner searching. Um, because I believe we do in our own way, like with this podcast. I'm not proselytizing per se, but I'm putting information out there. And if you listen to it and you learn from it, wonderful. If you ignore it, hey, that's fine too. That's that's your choice. But, you know, as far as like knocking on people people's doors and all of that, no, not that, but, you know, I do believe that we should have our own tracks, like the religious people and our own paraphernalia and, you know, um, you know, information to hand out. So if you want me to read your information, then you have to read mine, period, you know, and so that's how that goes. So, yeah, I believe fair play is, you know, is fair play. And so... It's just interesting how all of this is coming about, how we're growing. Um, it's just it's so much that we could have talked about for that happened this year, but because I know you guys are on top of it, I know that you're reading and you're staying active and keeping that mind active, exercising that muscle, that three inches of gray matter between both ears there. I posted an article yesterday in which um, they were talking about how the Affordable Care Act may produce more atheists. I haven't had a chance to really dissect the article. And, you know, it was pretty good the little bit that I did get a chance to read. And I posted it on my wall and, you know, it was talking about less mentalizing and all of that. So, you know, it should be interesting. But, again, we encourage people to continue to utilizing critical thinking skills, continue to use logic, and there is a place for critical thinking skills and logic in the church. There is a place for all of this in religion. Keep questioning. Keep doubting. It's okay. You're not alone out here. You know, this is something that we've been conveying over the past several years, and there are more and more people of color coming into this community and, you know, we've talked about the stages of grief. You know, it's okay if you're angry because I was angry for a while also because, you know, I had stopped believing in all of that religiosity and voluntarily went back as an adult only to realize that I was correct in the first place. But, you know, the time and effort and, you know, the sincerity that, you know, I put forth only to find out that I was hoodwinked and bamboozled, if you will. You know, but out of that anger, I grew. I evolved. I was enlightened. And so that's why I'm showing some compassion because I was also, most importantly, educated. 
and educated by people in this community. You know, that's why we encourage you guys to go pick up Dr. Hutchison's book, you know, Moral Combat and Godless Americana. You know, pick up, you know, Dr. Penn's book, who will be on the show January 12th, and, you know, pick up Norm Allen books. Um, you can pick up Donald Wright's book. I mean, it's just a variety. You know, um, one book that was written by a Caucasian, but I just think that this book was excellent, Black Atheist in America, Michael Lackey. I did a three-part series on it because I just loved that book. You know, start reading to educate yourself. They break down how religion was used to enslave the slaves, if you will, to enslave their minds and to enslave them physically. Because the Bible does say slaves obey your masters. It does say that. That is a real scripture. However, they many of the, well, not many, but the Africans, the slaves, were promised their freedom if they converted to Christianity or fought in a revolutionary war and many other things. Some were freed, but most of the promises were renewed on. So, you know, Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, not only that, they weren't, they weren't even allowed, if they could read, they weren't even allowed to read it. Exactly. Exactly. They had to allow the preacher, the pastor, who was handpicked, to read it to them and to interpret it. And in many cases, it would be someone initially a white pastor until they trained a black pastor to basically recapitulate, you know, verbatim, you know, what the white pastor had taught them, you know. But, you know, many of the slaves, you know, they incorporated part of their spirituality because a lot of people do not recognize or do not acknowledge the fact that, you know, the slaves, many of them, had their own religion. So, you know, that's why, you know, we try to talk about things, you know, like the dancing that you see in the church. There was one called the circle dance, and that came from West Africa, and that was part of their religion. And, you know, part of that is still part of the church. You know, you see people dancing in circles or, you know, shouting or dancing in their seat. This is where some of this came from. This is why we feel that it's important that you all understand history in general, but also understand the history of religion, you know, it's important. And, you know, while we're focusing on today's issues, today's social issues and what's happening, we also talk a little bit about the history so you can understand because there are some people that go to church but don't understand why people put that one finger up when they need to excuse themselves, you know, from wherever they're sitting. You know, some people don't understand the history and the significance of the shout and all of this. So, you know, we're just trying to educate you so that you can understand why you do what you do. We may not necessarily agree with you, but I'd rather have you educated in understanding why you celebrate. And, and why you believe as you do, because I truly believe the more educated you get, the more evolved you become. So, and that's not only with, you know, religious people, with believers, but that's also with non-believers as well. You know, you're never too smart to not continue to be educated. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. You know, as a matter of fact, I don't think I know nearly as much as I should, but that's why I keep my mind open and I allow people to educate me 
And, you know, I learned from you guys. I learned from the audience. I learned from the people that email me and inbox me. Um, I learned from the callers. And that's why I tell you every chance that I get how much I appreciate you because I do learn from you. And that's what it's all about. You know, you should learn something new every day. I know I do. Learn something new every day, and, you know, I try to retain some of that knowledge. But, um, you know, so, again, you know, we thank you. We appreciate you. Next week we will have Fannin Hutchinson on, and we will talk about positive black male role models. And we'll be talking about his reality show, Real Men of L.A., and, you know, the projects that he's working on. And so, you know, we're really excited about that. The link is out there. And January 12th, we'll have Dr. Anthony Penn on, and we'll be talking about his new book that's coming out and, you know, basically, you know, how a a nice Methodist young man turned into an atheist. So we're going to talk about his life. We're going to talk about a number of things. I know we're going to talk a little bit about uh, liberation theology. We're going to talk about, you know, humanism, radical humanism. So it should be a very, very good conversation. So we don't want you to miss that. And, again, on February the 2nd, I'm going to talk about church hurt atheists. So it, it may not be what you think it's going to be. It's going to be an interesting conversation, but I want you to think That is why we're here. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. I just want you to think about some of the things that you're saying, some of the things that you're doing. You know, your thought process is just extremely important that you guys understand that, you know, it's okay to grow. It's okay to change. It's okay to change your mind. Change can be hard. Change can be difficult. Change can be scary. But one thing I will say is that it's inevitable. You know, I know how much I've changed, how much I've grown over the years, especially, you know, doing this show. There's a lot of research that goes into these shows. So every once in a while I'll do a show that's fun, like today, you know, I had a lot of fun with this. We talked about a number of issues. But it's an aggregation or a culmination of different subject matter that we've talked about over the year. And, you know, it's important, but, you know, when we do the shows like the show on affirmative action, the show on inner city blues, when I talked about, you know, public policy, I talked about, you know, interstates and how interstates were basically being built through poverty-stricken, you know, communities of color and, you know, poor white communities and why, how it was done on purpose. I posted links about that. We gave some examples. It was very in-depth. Educate yourselves. And while we are non-believers, atheists, humanists, free thinkers, You know, there's more to life. There's more to this walk. There's more to this path than talking about why you left Christ, why you left the church. And I just want to make sure that we don't get caught up in the same circular pattern or exercise that I see with some believers in which they are in a bubble and only focused on their belief system. I don't want that to happen to us. 
you know, so this is why, you know, I'm doing the clarion call, if you will, and bringing this matter and these issues to your face because I want you to recognize it. I want you to see it, and I want you to help us to affect positive change, affect positive change, and affect growth. So on that note, we are out of here Thank you for calling in. Thank you for being a part of the show. We love you. Next week, Fannin Hutchinson, Positive Black Male Role Models, um, Real Men of L.A., January 12th, Dr. Anthony Penn, you know, that conversation. We're just going to be all over the place. So, guys, don't you miss it. You will learn from that show just as you may have learned from all of our other shows. So, on that note, Merry Festivus, Festivus for the rest of us. And happy winter solstice to you guys out there. For those of you that don't know about that, look up winter solstice, look up Saturnalia, look up Festivus, burn something today like I've learned something today. Love you, care about you, and thank you for your support. Have a good weekend, everybody. You too. Have a good